WKDW 97.5 FM, Northport Real Community Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pets Teach Us So Much Radio. Everett and Everett here. I'm Robin Everett. And I'm Joseph Everett. We are animal advocates, pet lifestyle experts, and pet trendologists, bringing you the best pet news and tips. Now, today on our show, we have guest Justin Choma Zimmerman. He is a filmmaker, and he's going to talk to us about his fantastic film about uh, rescuers of different animals called SMART. Plus, we have interesting animal news from around the world. Now, if you think your little fur baby is sick, realize that our show is for informational purposes only. Get professional veterinary help immediately if your little fur baby isn't feeling well. No, that's a great reminder. Now, we have tons of information today for dog lovers and for cat lovers and for... Koala lovers. We actually do have a koala story today, Joseph. If you're into Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, find us at TPPCTV. We have a groovy page on Facebook, too. The TPPC.TV Pet Lover Crew. Check us out. Join in the fun. Comment on the show on our page. We'd love to hear from you. If you have news or you would like to be on our show, send an inquiry to info at TPPC.TV. Thank you, Joseph. Now, you know, we have a very interesting uh, segment for True or Poo today. We need to help those little teeny tiny kitty cats because a lot of cats get spooked when people come into the house and they don't want to hang around. So our True or Poo today is all around ways to help a hiding cat. Now, we have Joe... The engineer on deck today, and we have Joe, the host. This is, you know, this should be one of those competitions because this, this is a tough one, guys, okay? Oh, boy. I can see we're getting set up already. True or poe? If your cat usually spends its day hidden, that's generally fine and normal. True or poe? True. True. Okay, well, I guess I thought it was going to be harder because, yes, that is, in fact, true. It's normal for a cat to hide all day. I didn't know that. I did. Mm, Well, I never could find my hat cat all day. Okay. (laughs) All right. Whether this is in the form of a temporary visitor or a permanent resident, cats are naturally inclined to assume a new person or animal is a threat to their territory. True or poo? Hmm. If they know the person or they don't know the person. A new, per- a new person or true. new animal. True. What do you say, Joe? That is, you're both correct. It is true. Um, you'll, you're going to find a feline hiding, and um, the doctor in the article, Dr. Milani, in this article, Five Ways to Help a Hiding Cat by John Gilpatrick, says that it's important to give a cat time to adjust to the change and accept the new person or animal on her or his own terms. The worst thing you could tell a new person to play to do is play nice and kissy face with the cat. That's why I hide when certain family comes over. Yeah, yeah, Joe said you let him smell you. Now I'm not gonna let family smell me. I'm not gonna come out. 
So, there. all right. So, what you're saying is, yeah, when family, family comes, comes over, over, I'm going to hide under the bed, stay there. So, you don't want them to come and find you, and do kissy face, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. True <laughs> or poo? Instead, short-term visitors can sit near the hiding spot and let the cat come to them. Maybe coaxing her out with a treat or a toy that will boost her confidence and make her feel more like predator than prey. True or hell? True. True. And that is right. That is a good way to just sit near the cat and, and get them to, you know, kind of coax them out. Now, this was one of my favorite questions in the quiz. Longer-term visitors or new permanent residents should rub themselves with a dry towel or washcloth, then leave the towel in the middle of the floor overnight to allow the cat to explore the scent at his or her own speed. True or poo? Don't worry, kitty. I'm going to hide that damn thing. They're not going to get used to staying here. So what do you think? What? I think it's true, but I'm going to hide it so the cat doesn't have to get... Oh, so you don't want him to get used to the person. Right. So you're saying it's true, but we're not doing it in our house. Exactly. And I say poo, too, because they have to learn it on their own. Okay, so you're saying poo, you're I'm saying, saying true, true, but you're not going to do it in our house. It's, a true, it's a true poo. <laughs> one of those true poos. <laughs> it, in fact, is a true statement that if you let someone rub themselves with the dry towel or washcloth and leave it in the floor, it might allow the cat to explore them at their own speed. Don't worry, cat cat. I got your back. I get the feeling you don't want any visitors at the house. Not to stay over. Like Uncle Orville from from uh, Disney World. Yeah. The Carousel of Progress. Yeah, he's sitting in the bathtub all uh, summer long during <laughs> yeah. the Fourth of July parade reading the paper. I'm not going yet. <laughs> <laughs> now here is here is another really good question. The cat should start feeling more comfortable if you leave the towel in the middle of the floor the next day. Though, if the towel has been peed on, that's a message that you need to be more patient. True or poo? Yeah, if it's peed or pooped on. Because I had, I think it was my brother's friend or someone come over the house, and a cat pooped in their shoes. Get out of here. In the shoes. Pooped right in the shoe. Are you serious? I am 100% serious. <laughs> it's true, because they send them a message. Yeah. It's their, their territory. Yeah. Wow. Now, when my brother-in-law came over, he did the same thing. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) That is, in fact, true, that if the towel's been peed on, you need to be a little more patient. Now, overall, when a cat is hiding in stress, there, there are a lot of factors that you need to take into play. Have you moved? Does the cat have a safe space? And, you know, we saw an episode or something on TV that that the cat tree where the cat would climb was right next to the couch where people would come and you know and like sit when they came to visit and the cat was freaking out and like battling these people and hurting them because in the cat's mind that was their space and the oh, person yeah. and was their, in, in their space. space yeah okay so they also said that make sure they have a little place to hide 
And one of the um, things you could do, a super cheap way to make a cat feel secure, is cut a hole in an upside down box so he can go in there and just, you know, feel a little more secure. In the old days, you used to use a paper bag. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Don't don't use a plastic bag. That's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah even use... you get paper bags at some places, but not like you used to. No, not like years ago. Everybody had a, a paper bag. Yes. So um, we used to light them and put them on the front porch. <laughs> what did you used to do, Joseph? <laughs> Nothing. No, tell everybody what you used to. Oh, do. that's an old thing. You put poo poo in the bag and put it on the front porch and light it. So when they come out and they stamp it out. <laughs> I didn't really do that, but I knew people that did. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> so also the article cautions, if you have a cat that's consistently hiding for a reason that you cannot find out, you know, isn't readily apparent, you should take your cat to the vet because it could be some medical problem that the cats have. Definitely. So I thought that was interesting, true or po today, gentlemen. Yes, that's so true. Congratulations. You both received... 20,000 points today. Even though you tried to... I did. You tried. You I tried did. to use the trick questions. We're going to have to answer some wrong just to make it interesting. Yeah, make it, make, no. it, make, well, it, make, it make, make someone feel better. See, you guys are doing really... You're, you're increasing your knowledge base week after week. <laughs> it is so impressive. Now, we've talked a lot about needy cats. Let's talk about uh, needy dog. Literally. So... This is this little segment is about massaging your dog as a bonding experience. They say that this was in the Costco magazine, folks. So it's not something that I mean. You have to figure. You know, this is an odd place to find this piece of information, but I still thought it was it was good. They said that if you want to bond with your dog, make sure that your dog is comfortable on a yoga mat or comfortable cushion surface. Don't have massage time after feeding because it's not comfortable on their tummy. They say uh, watch for signs of agitation or discomfort. This could mean a medical problem. Don't use heavy pressure or knead deeply and talk to your dog while you massage them. So there's four easy steps to massaging your dog. There are several techniques. Uh, Michelle Barn, Bame rather, owner of Caring Canine massage and acupressure in Minneapolis says there's you know it's, it's very simple with your dog lying on a cushion mat with its head facing away from you rub your hands and thumbs on their neck and then curve your fingers to use gentle circular motions and count to 10 be gentle just as you would prefer on your neck move back along the spines and the skull and the joints and, and mm -hmm. continue back to their tail. It says, now give attention to their legs. Depending on your dog's size, use one or both hands to gently knead the leg from the shoulder to the foot. Foot pads can be massaged. Well, let me tell you something. Our dogs would not stand for foot no, pads. No, not foot massaged. pads, but Philomena loves her back and neck. Yeah. And so does Cha. Yes. She likes her ears. Only I can do her ears. Yeah. Let me tell you something. He says to Cha, you want mommy to, to massage your ears, to rub your ears? And she looks at him. As if to say, no, only you do it, Bobby. Mommy can't do it. Uh, and then uh, it also says that lying, having your dog lie on one side, run your hands from head to tail in long, loving strokes, and then do the other side. And this is a very good bonding 
exercise for you and your little pooch. Cool. Yeah. Now, did you know during flu season there's a canine flu and dogs can get the flu? Well, I have heard of it, but what do you do? Well, dogs can get the flu just as humans and sometimes can be an uh, epidemic in certain states or even locations. Wow. Yeah, it gets pretty bad. And the only thing about this is that they can catch canine flu from another dog, and the canine flu really isn't much more than a cold and can be treated with antibiotics and rest. But the problem with that is with canine flu, how do you tell? And even for the professional. Mm-hmm. Professionals, it's a, sometimes it's hard to detect if your dog actually has the flu. And symptoms for influenza in dogs is dogs that are infected with canine influenza virus may develop two different types of flu. Mild. Uh, normally, just like when you have a mild flu, you have a little cough uh, that is typically moist and have a nasal discharge, snatch. <laughs> <laughs> so they have... Yeah, occasionally, occasionally they, they really have, have... Yeah, occasionally they have a little, little bit of nasal dis- discharge, but snatch. So do you... <laughs> Do they, occasionally, it'd be more of a dry. Do you train them to blow their nose. Occasionally, it'd be a more of a dry cough. You know, instead of a like real scratchy. Thank cough, you for the demo. More of a you know, like a dry cough. <laughs> but you got to understand, it's going to be a dry bark. You know, kind of like a dry. And the symptoms will last for two weeks. Normally, they'll just go away on their own. And they also get red or runny eyes, runny nose, may be seen in some dogs. In most cases, there's a history of contact with other dogs that carry the virus. Now, here's the other problem, severe. Usually, these dogs have a high fever of about 104 degrees, and you know the only way to take a dog's temperature? Rectally, right? Rectally, right. And develop signs very quickly. Pneumonia can occur as the flu virus affects the capillaries in the lungs. So your dog may cough up blood and have trouble breathing. At that time, you want to make sure you get him to the vet immediately. Now, how is, the flu, how is the flu diagnosed by your vet? Diagnosing the dog flu can be difficult because dog flu symptoms, a low fever persistent, cough, runny nose, and low energy are the same as some of the other common respiratory diseases. So, a test is needed to confirm the diagnosis by your vet, mm. as you don't want it to lead to a secondary infection. So, in other words, if your dogs experience any of these type of symptoms or they're act, acting lethargic, and they're not themselves, take them to your vet. So, I mean, I think a lot of people don't think that dogs get sick like people do, like cold flu type of things, but I think it's more prevalent. It Years ago, you didn't hear about this, but now it is now a it thing. Is. And you want to do what people should do is keep your dog away from other dogs that has the flu or any other illness that is contagious. Mm-hmm. You know, take a sick day. Don't come to work. Yeah. If your dog usually goes to the dog park that day, do not go to the dog park that day. Well, you know, that's the thing. We didn't have all these dog socialization activities, and that's where they're getting sick, right? Or the dog beach. Well, obviously, when they're in contact, like the article said, with another dog that has the the germ mm-hmm. in it, and it transmits or transfers, just like in a human. Mm-hmm. Now, what I didn't see in the article... And I, I'm not sure, I know we had this question before, and I don't remember what the answer was, is that can the human flow or human cold be transferred to a, to a canine? The answer is yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was pretty sure. But I don't think it's as, as, as transferable 
as it is with another canine to canine. Yes, I agree because Dr. We had asked Dr. Pat about right. that some years ago. And um, he did say that there are some types of ailments that right. can pass back. I knew it wasn't exactly any type of common cold or something. There was some type of, like you said, ail- ailments yeah. that are kind of close or what have you. Well, that was interesting. Thanks for talking yes, about that. Yes, it was. <laughs> Chuna, Baluna. Mm. <laughs> so we want to follow up on a story uh, a few weeks ago. We talked about fur and fur in garments and in the garment trade. And we said that... Um, the, the way you could tell if fur is real or not is if you separate the fur and you see webbing as opposed to like pores that the fur comes out of. And we also talked about the fact that a lot of manufacturers are using real fur thinking it's fake fur. And here recently there was a story about Forever 21. Their fake fur products are actually rabbit. So this is really bad a new investigation out of the UK, it, the, at the Forever 21 store, said your fake fur might be the real thing. Katie Rickett, a correspondent for Good Morning Brit- Britain, went undercover at several fast fashion locations and discovered what she suspected was real fur at two of them. Wow. These items, including a, quote, faux fur bag pom-pom that you hang off... The bag, it's like a little charm. It's a big thing now. Um, it was analyzed at a lab, and it was real. It turns out that the faux fur from Forever 21 was made from Angora rabbit, which is really shocking. So in 2014, Forever 21 was one of those retailers right. that banned Angora from their shops. So, Well, I'm not a PETA fan with everything that they do. But I am on t- on on board with them, with the with using real fur mm-hmm. and being disguised as yeah, and and fooling the consumer that's, as a faux fur. Yeah, yeah. And fooling the consumer—that's another thing. You know, you're not being honest to the consumer. No, and this is what happens. This this uh, guy Pierre Grabowski said that this is what happens when brands want to save money. Some of the good faux furs can be more expensive when they're used in making jackets or other garments than the low-quality animal fur. Right. So they're using it because it's cheaper. It's always the dollar, honey. We've been doing this for years, and it always comes down to the dollar. It's really true. It's why we have all the things coming in from China, the paint on the toys, the dog toys, the Ugh. human toys, the, the foods, the, the treats, jer- the jerky, the, the jerky, jerky, and everything like that. The reason we have it is because it's the almighty dollar. That's the truth. And um, it's not, it's a range of stores with different price points. Neiman Marcus was also lying to consumers saying that the real fur was faux fur. Uh, and the FTC has brought uh, charges against Neiman Marcus over the past Good. year. So, yeah, I'm happy to hear that as well. So, now, you mentioned that our show was also for koala lovers yes. today. Yes. An adorable story out of Melbourne, Australia. Do you want to do like a, a do-to-do type of thing for an uh, international story? Sure, we can give it a do-to-do. Okay. Yeah, breaking news. <laughs> That's our breaking news do-to-do. 
So this little koala was covered in burrs. A Victorian man was, has videotaped the moment he made friends with a wild koala by brushing prickly burrs out of its fur. Now you, you know how you get when you have a prickle, a yeah. pricker in your finger. Yes. A pawpaw, yes. A pawpaw, as you call them. And in fact, we have these plants. They're called uh, crown of thorns. They're oh. small, bushy, evil rose-type plants. They are evil. They are. The crown of thorn thorns plant is the most evilest plant that was ever grown. It's thick. It's got spikes on it that look like I, I don't. I just would walk by it and be like, ah. And uh, unfortunately, this little koala got these burrs stuck on him, and they're all over his I the, fur. I had those burrs the other day, remember? Yes. Oh. So this poor little koala has all these burrs stuck all over him. He goes up to this guy. And this Apollo Bay resident, Bruce Atkinson, said he noticed the female koala outside his house Saturday morning. I was just wandering out and having some breakfast early in the morning, and I saw a koala on the porch, he told ABC's Nicole Shavit. And he said it wandered up, which is not unusual. I don't know what's more uh, fascinating that he has koalas just wandering up on his, yeah, that's pretty cool. on his front porch. But this one looked a bit distraught. It was just sitting there all glum. I went out to take a photo of it, but I noticed it had birds all over it. The koala had allowed itself to be brushed and tickled like a little pet. Mr. Atkinson's first attempt at helping the agitated koala was less than successful. I grabbed a bowl of water and put it near it and immediately got swatted out of my hand. I don't want to drink water. <laughs> Can't Can you, you see these damn things all over me? <laughs> I need help. So later he was told the koalas get most of their water from gum leaves. So deciding that the koala was uncomfortable due to the burrs, Mr. Atkinson went back inside, put on a motorbike glove, and grabbed a hairbrush. He carefully approached the koala and let it snip the hairbrush before attempting to brush the prickles out. I just gently poked the brush at some of the burrs, he said. Within seconds, it decided, this is all right. I'll have more of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Joe's doing his koala Lift imitation. His arms off. Yeah. <laughs> arms. <laughs> Mr. Atkinson was amazed at how the benign at how benign the previously aggressive koala became once it was having its fur brushed. So he said that he was able to remove most of the burrs, then collected some gum leaves for the koala, which hung around his house and it for the most of the day. So the koala's like, You're all right, man. I got some gum leaves. This is cool. I got gum leaves. I got I all the pressure off out. me, all the pawpaws gone. I said I could also just go up to it, sit down beside it, tickle it under its chin and pat its head like a cat. Mr. Atkinson posted a video of the koala having its fur brushed on the Otway Community News Facebook page, prompting dozens of positive comments. Poor little fella. He must have been so uncomfortable. What a trusting koala. I think you have a friend for life, one commenter wrote. Such a feel-good story. Thank you, Bruce. I bet she'll now impress all of her male mates with her new hairdo, wrote another. 
But Mr. Atkinson said impressing the opposite sex might have been the farthest thing from the koala's mind. One of the wildlife officers suggested she was just getting away from the boys because they tend to get a little frisky this time of year. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a lovely story. And what are those little things called again? Those little... What well, they, they look like those little burrs in the grass. There's burrs, a picture okay. here. Is that why you roll around and get those burrs on you? To be left alone? If you could see the... If looks could kill, is all I can say right now. <laughs> You're such a comedian today, Joseph. You're <sighs> such a comedian. So... Oh, what do we have next? We want to talk about this giraffe story. It's been all over the news. I don't know if you guys saw it. That giraffes are really having a hard time existing in the wild now. I mean, it's unfortunate. Is it that they're poaching them for some reason? They're under siege. Uh, Their population is down 40% to just uh, 97,000 in the wild. This is down from 151,000 in the past 30, in the last 30 years. These most gentle creatures are quickly going extinct because of their grassland habitat is being encroached upon by human development. Oh. The Zoological Society of London reports that giraffes are now officially gone from Burkina Faso, it's all these listing all these places right. um, in Africa, and that they really can only be found in the most southern regions. Giraffes aren't hunted for their hides or meats, unlike elephants and ri- elephants and rhinos. They're not bears of ivory, so it's you know. So it's just that humans humans are taken there. Yeah, they're getting starved. Well, the same thing is happening here in Florida. You know, look at all the little little animals we had running by us yeah. when they when they were making that other uh, development. Yep. We had the, the, the wild boar, we had the panthers, we had what otters. Else did we have? otters. Uh, so many birds. This yeah. is really disturbing because so much of the osprey covers. There was, it was a bunch of eagles that came, the, the yep. little baby eagles. Yeah. American eagles, American bald eagles. They were beautiful to watch. I mean, and there's there are less alligators. Well, they were coming by us because we had a plethora of fish for them in our lake behind the house. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they were enjoying some good little fish. Yeah, it's a shame, but I guess it's just what happens. I mean, you really have to protect the endangered species. Now, uh, there was an article about DNA clearing a service dog of guilt for another canine's death. Oh. Now, what would you do if you walked into your backyard and you saw your saw your dog over another dog that was already dead? You know, the assumption is that, oh, this dog killed the other dog. But the family who owned the larger dog standing over the already deceased dog fought for their dog, saying, our dog would never kill another dog. Right. And in fact... Um, you know, they want to blame this poor Belgian Malinois because they are highly trained dogs. They're oh, used in my different, favorite dog. They're, they're used in different um, services to humans. And um, they were able to clear the dog from forensic and DNA. Uh, That's definitely going to be our next dog. A Belgian Malinois? Yeah, i got to find a rescue. Okay. Note to self, find Belgian Malinois rescue. Um, so what happened was they tested this Pomeranian that was dead in the backyard, and the DNA didn't match. Yeah. And um, the gloves didn't fit. 
Now, was this dog detained during that time? I believe he was. Wow. Um, That stinks. So... It was really, he couldn't, the family couldn't see, every civil right, this is what the family said, every civil right we had was denied. We couldn't see him. He couldn't have a blanket or a toy. Under the conditions of Jeb's release, Jeb was the dog via via the prosecution. Morrison, the owners, say they've built a protective fence in their neighbor's property, but they'll not adhere to labeling him as a dangerous dog. Jeb is good with everyone, children and other animals. And, you know... This is, I think, a fantastic thing for breed-specific legislation that you shouldn't have. You can't label all dogs, all Belgian animals. Oh, they're bad. But unfortunately, when you have a dog like that because of stupidity on other people, you have to stay with that fur baby while you're there. You cannot mm-hmm. let them roam your own backyard yeah. because of idiots like that. But, but just like elephants, could it be that the dog was just protecting... Yep. I think it was. I think it yep. felt bad, and I felt, yeah. Exactly. You exactly. Would, we would do the same thing. We'd do the same thing. It's like someone coming up, and you're over a body, and you're covered in blood because you try to do some type of life-saving maneuver on the person, and then all of a sudden, that person got scared or something and said, well, you know, well, you were the last one there. You have blood in your hands. Right. Well, you just happened to come across. It's the same situation. Right. Right, you and know, because it's because it's that type of a dog or a pit bull, mm-hmm. yeah. you're automatically guilty. Well, yeah. we use those dogs quite a bit in in in, in emergency services. Yeah, those I, dogs, those that. dogs are are angels. They're little angels. That's all I could say. And that's why I'm going to get it. That's why I'm definitely going to get one. I'm used to working with them, and they're an excellent dog. So, but again, you're you're talking about labeling. You know, we can get on our soapbox with this, and you can start with the political elections. And I'll just leave it there. Well, you, Labeling is something we do as humans that we really have to have to stop pull the reins and, and try to just not judge that book by its cover. I know how corny that may sound. It's not corny at all because I think our brains are conditioned to put things in neat little boxes. It's, it's a person's own sexualities or sexual preference or, or a dog's behavior. Well, you know what? Or, I'm all out of safety pens. I don't wear diapers anymore. <laughs> I guess we're just too old. That's all. <laughs> it is. It is really true, though. I mean, I... It, you know what we did as kids? And when we were growing up, if somebody did something to someone's right, we didn't cry. Mm-hmm. We gave them the middle finger and said, come on. Yeah. And, you and we saddled it. And I'm not saying that we were violent. And I'm not saying that we, I'm, I'm saying to go out and go do wild. And I'm not saying to go out and fight and do all that. But growing up, you know, you get a couple bumps every now and then. Yeah. You don't Everybody go, does. You don't go running crying. You handle it for yourself. You take care of business. Well, that's. And thing. everybody wins and everybody loses. I mean, not, not everybody wins. Some people lose. And like I told you the story a, a thousand times, how much I wanted a baseball trophy. Never got it. Got a room full of football trophies. Never a baseball one because you know what? I wasn't good enough to get one. Mm-hmm. Was I good enough to go on the field and smack the living crap out of someone? <laughs> yes, I was. But I wasn't good enough to win a trophy in baseball. And that's, that's life. That's, that's it. That's, that's the okay. way it went. That's the way it is. Not everybody gets a ribbon for... Pre- oh, well, I'll no. get off the soapbox. No. It the same thing with our horses. We were equestrians. And we used to do a lot of hunter paces, and we did the other things. What we did with the maps, and we were searching and that's, looking. It, that, what was that called again? Um, that's orient, like orienteering, but the hunter pace 
was, for those of you not familiar, it's a time, you have to ride to the best time right. for the terrain. So you really have to read the terrain. And there's, and there's different sections, different different. Different uh, signs you had to look out for. Yeah, they put riddles and games. Riddles and games. A color of a ribbon. Now, a color of a ribbon might take you somewhere where you ju- where you just started from, because that's the sign. You had to pay attention. You know, all green ribbons go north. All this. So if you catch the wrong ribbon, you can go right back to where you started from, and that's part of it to waste your time. And yeah. Not to, I mean, see if you're you know, paying attention. To see if you're paying attention, and you know, but and again, everyone doesn't win. Yeah. You know, we all don't win. come home with a blue ribbon. If you know this first, second, and third place. Adios, amigos, if anything after that. <laughs> thanks, for t- thanks for participating. <laughs> thanks for sending in your money. <laughs> better next time. <laughs> Try thanks better your next entrance time. Fee. Yeah, that's what well, it was. You know, I, and I hate to say this, but like shows like Toddlers and Tierras, where these people are, are paying hundreds of dollars and, and everybody gets, you know, here you get a little crown, everybody gets a little toy, everybody, you know what? In reality, in life, not everybody gets You get in guts. <laughs> I worked in an Italian firehouse my whole life. You get in guts if you don't freaking do it right, if you're not doing it right. I don't tell you. Look it up if you don't know what that means. <laughs> Open your hand and look in the other hand, and what do you see? Nothing? That's in guts. <laughs> you are fired up today. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no controlling the rhino bear today. It's just <laughs> Chief Rhino Bear is... Off, out, gone. Hello. So let's talk. <laughs> change channels and let's talk about green lift muscles. <laughs> you got three minutes of green lift muscles. Lift muscles. They're really good for dogs. Grow the frig up, people. Will you? <laughs> Just relax your engines. Oh, I'm sorry I brought it up. I am sorry I brought it up, oh, Joseph. I'm better now. Okay. <laughs> You need a deep cleansing breath in con. No, a not cha a cha breath. breath. Not a cha size chihuahua breath. Very good. Good job. Now, let's talk about green lip muscles. Grow a set of muscles, people. <laughs> Stop it. So green. But most of our audience here have muscles, and most of our audience that would listen to us, yeah. truthfully, let's just be honest here. Look, most of the people that listen to us understand, and they all came. We came from the same egg. You know what? We drank out of the garden hose. We rode our bicycles with our helmets. Yeah. I mean, we played with, with, with firecrackers. We had cap guns. We sh- I mean, I had so many cap guns in my pocket when I rode my bike. I mean, God forbid today I'd be shot and dead. But we had, you know, it was just the way it was. And we had played bicycle chase. You know what bicycle chase was? Well, you were, we're the gonna, only one that played this. We're going to get back to this green lip muscles after we have our person come on. We'll go back to this. Tell but them I got to tell you what bicycle chases. chase is. Only you Here's what this. bicycle chase was, which I used to play in my neighborhood. Everybody got on their bicycles, and we had a path we had to go. We had to get around. around. It was all like you had to go around the school, through, through between people's buildings, down alleyways, around parking lots, all the way back to where you started from. The first one back wins. Sounds easy, right? Well, as everybody's going, you're taking your bike, and you're slamming into the other kid <laughs> to knock him off his bike so he doesn't get back. So you're coming up behind the other guy. You're wheeling. You're hitting his wheel. And trying to knock him off his bike? Yeah. We got thrown off the bike, onto concrete, onto macadam, on the street, cars going by, rolling on the ground, and bloody and laughing. And we kept going. That was bicycle chase. And if you made it back to base, you won. (laughs) 
nobody sometimes nobody survived sometimes the bicycle chase. there was a lot of times nobody made it back to base and nobody won and there you go everybody Who's, doesn't win who said the hunger games was an original idea <laughs> okay obviously you had her invented bicycle the chase. hunger games bicycle chase was yeah. a hell of a game yeah. Okay. All right. We got to call it to our guests. Do me a favor. If you're listening at home, do us a favor. Send us an email, info at tppc.tv, and tell us, yes, we're crazy, or no, we're not crazy. Either way, just let me know. Because sometimes, you know, when we're here in the studio, I, you know, I have to scratch my head and say, is it, it, is it just us, or is, are there other people out there who agree? We'd really appreciate it. Our guest today is Justin Zimmerman. He's MFA in film. He's is nationally recognized as a writer, filmmaker, and professor. His narrative and documentary work has appeared in film festivals across the globe. He has been broadcast on national public television, where he has won two international television awards. He's also been the recipient of multiple grants and fellowships in his script and comic work, and has been optioned on multiple occasions. So welcome, Justin. How are you doing, Justin? That's a uh, glorious introduction for somebody who spends a lot of time alone in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know the feeling. <laughs> so tell us, tell us a little bit about your background in filmmaking. Yeah, I, I, uh, I got my MFA about... Fifteen years ago, and I've been a filmmaker ever since. Um, that's a very broad definition, but I actually do make films. Uh, I feel very fortunate to be alive in this time. Um, so I've produced, I've directed, I've executive produced, and fulfilled a number of different roles for colleges, for companies, and then always do my own work. I'm, I'm happy to say I've been independent uh, for fifteen years. Uh, but I've worked with a variety of clients. Cool. So tell us, what is your documentary fam- film, Smart, about? So Smart is about this extraordinary team of animal rescuers uh, who are animal control officers in Los Angeles, and they have decided that they need to be prepared for any eventuality. So, you know, whether it's uh, airlifting a horse out of a dam, getting a mountain lion out of a basement, uh, rescuing a deer from Pee Wee Herman's backyard, they're ready to, to rock and roll. But most of their work is uh, reuniting what they would consider families, dogs and cats, with their with their owners. And they, at this point, have rescued over a thousand animals in the field. Now we followed them for three years, and they they risk and sacrifice an extraordinary amount for the work that they do. They also um, are kind of always on. There are you know, twelve to fourteen members for a city of roughly four million people. So they, they are extraordinary folks. I, I would consider them superheroes in their own right. And um, the film kind of chronicles their their journey during that time. Now Joe's here nodding his head because he has a, a lot of experience in this oh, area as well. And he, he hates when I talk about it, but you've seen a lot of these things firsthand from your experience in the field of firefighting for over 35 years. Uh, talk. Can you just like give people just like two seconds, hon, just for our new audience, so they know it's 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 just like Justin explained, and it, they're doing the same thing, and we've we've done the same thing. I make, going through my career and making my way up the ranks. I was in some really busy urban areas, and we experienced you know in not only human rescue, animal rescue, because we had junkyards. Unfortunately, we had uh, 
uh, illegal type drug areas where they had dogs for specific purposes. One was for protecting their 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 cash cash meaning their drugs or their money, and also they had the 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 liking of having these dogs fight for for mm-hmm. entertainment. Yeah. And when I was in a situation in a fully evolved building or something that was close to it or a junkyard that was going, all these dogs that were so called quote unquote your 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 vicious yeah. you know attack dogs would jump in my arms like little babies and. I'd able to, you know, and pull them out and a lot of some of the smaller dogs I'd stuff into my fire coat and continue to do my search for if there's any humans there. But again, repelling and things like that yeah. and, you know, any type of UAC rescue and, and stuff like that we did. But it's what these guys are doing. They're doing the same thing. They're repelling and they're probably going into they well, are, they I are. did see it. I watched this video, you know, they're doing the same thing we did yep. under extreme conditions. Yeah. And I give them, you know, kudos. So tell us a little bit about the main characters in the movie. Justin, I'm going to do number um, this question here, number five. Why do you think Smart Team puts their lives on the line to rescue animals? I really know the answer, but I want you to explain that. Well, we get into the film a couple different fronts on this. First off is that half of all families in the United States of America have a cat and or dog. And they don't describe these as, uh, as pets as much as they describe them as literally their family. Yeah. So... When you have animal rescuers in the field with human rescuers, it makes the human rescuers much safer. Human rescuers are trained to get that man or that woman out of that situation. But many times, humans won't leave without their pets, without their family. And animals have flight or flight, which is a completely different reaction than an average human will in a situation. So they feel an obligation because they, they love their family members. They love their pets. And they refuse to let any animal kind of be left behind. But we also get in the film into Katrina. And Katrina really legitimized the concept of animal rescue to the country. Because there, people were disturbed at how many animals were left behind. And they were also, it it was proof positive that people would not leave without their animals. I mean, people died in Katrina. People fought in Katrina because their animals were not going to be taken with them. So uh, it's, it's a new idea, I think. Um, the smart team is on the forefront of this idea, and they do it because they personally believe in it. It's up to us to figure out if it's something that's important as a culture and as a community. That's Justin, that's interesting because being a fire chief, I would have them in, in my 
in my reach out in my incident command system to be able to reach out to to, a, to an operation like that because when I was operating on a on a shore area as a fire chief and one of the things I initiated and I'm going to say I in this one was to make sure we had somewhere to relocate the family's pets and I would explain to them just like you did they're not pets they're part of their family and if you want me to evacuate these people off the water for a hurricane we're going to have to have facilities ready to be able to handle their animals, their pets. And so I, to- I totally understand. It's, it's just... You had Sandy, you had Irene. Yeah, we had quite a bit of... But still, I totally understand where these guys are at. My heart goes out to them. Mm-hmm. So tell us how you got involved with this project. I have a, a producing partner and a family member who lives in Los Angeles. And we worked on one film before we worked on Smart together. She got a crow stuck in her chimney. And Armando came out and rescued it. So Kim called me up and said, hey, this is a really interesting group of people. I know you're an animal lover. I know you're a documentarian first and foremost, but I know you're an animal lover. Would you come down and meet these folks? And I did. And I just thought that they were a perfect a perfect subject for a short documentary. I had no idea that we would spend three years in the field with them, another year taking the film to film festivals across the world, and that it would be eventually released as it was just last uh, just last week um, so it's been an extraordinary journey but the origins were literally a crow in a chimney and it just shows you how something small can lead to something really really big that's true that is amazing so tell us how this film will help animals I mean to me I think there's a couple great things first the smart team I think doesn't get nearly the time recognition or kind of funding it deserves in Los Angeles so the more people who see the film I think you'll agree the more people fall in love with Armando and his team and the more support that they'll get Uh, I think the film really does educate in a number of different ways as well but to me the the cool takeaway for the film and and I hope this is really, really clear is that the more you kind of fall in love with the team and the more you fall in love with the excitement of the animal rescues and the excitement of how this this, uh, film was put together, the more you want to take some responsibility and accountability. How can I help these people out? And the neat thing is you don't have to be jumping out of a helicopter to be an animal rescuer. And the film talks about this very clearly. You can adopt. You can get your animals bathed or neutered. You can go volunteer at a local shelter. Um, You can get an animal microchip so that it doesn't get lost and put in a perilous situation. There are a lot of ways in which people can get involved in a very in a very specific way, and the the, the film uh, hopefully galvanizes and excites people to do just that. Now you know we're talking about the film. It's it's the way that you told the story is not it's not a dry. You know, it's it's very engaging. It's very uh, it it you just get sucked in. Your heart goes out to these people and these yes. animals right from the beginning. And um, it, it was really a, a wonderful film. Please tell people how they can watch it. Well, first off, thank you for the the compliment. We we worked we worked really hard to make a film that wasn't just preaching to the converted. That was a story first and foremost. And I don't say that to be trite. You want to make sure that something like you said, pulls an audience in. The more you pull an audience in, the more they're going to want to take responsibility and, and do something. And every time I see the film, and trust me, I've seen it a lot, I still get excited and emboldened by what Armando and Annette and the rest of the team are doing. So, so thank you. Uh, the film, you can go to Smart 
www.movie.com. All the portals for the film are right there. But it's uh, if you have Amazon Prime, it's streaming for free right now. You can also rent and or buy on Amazon streaming and DVD. It's on Vimeo. And you can actually get the film into your local theater in a couple different ways, uh, also all available on the website. So cool. we're going to have a variety of different ways for people to encounter the film in, in 2017. And uh, I just certainly hope people give it a shot and hopefully give it a, give it a, give it a review. Tell us what they think. Absolutely. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you continued success. Well, thank you very much. And Joe, uh, thank you for all your service as well. It's, uh, uh, anybody on the front line of this is a hero as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate that, Justin. And same goes to you too. Thank you for, for really showing. I, I mean, I'm going to hold off a second here. The film, you don't have to be an animal lover like us to enjoy this film and get an education out of it. Yeah. It's Definitely. important for everyone to see. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Bob. That was interesting. I mean, it really that is was a, a great really film. interesting film, and it was really good. And I like the way he explained it. He kept it going. He kept it going. It, you didn't it have was to good. right. You didn't have to sit there and say, "Oh, this is like pulling teeth." No. It was so anyway, good. let's get real quick to these green-lipped muscles. <laughs> I promised back everyone that we're going to come back to the green lip muscles. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. They're saying that these green lip muscles that are only found in New Zealand are, in fact, really good for dogs for their um, if they have any type of arthritis. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking, well, if it's good for dogs, it's got to be good for humans, too. I wouldn't mind some with a little marinara garlic garlic bread, maybe <laughs> a little pasta. I'm just saying. Angel. Angel here. Angel. Okay. All right. Well, I'm flexible. <laughs> So um, just a note that studies are being done and they're saying that it has even better substances in it than fish oil and other things that are taken as supplements for arthritis and that the omega-3s and all that reduce the inflammation associated with diseases such as osteoarthritis. So I think we need well, to have a dish of muscles. Yeah, the omega-3s <laughs> definitely work. Yes. All the injuries and sport injuries and things I have on my knees, I'm telling you, they makes a big difference. And it says, although um, there are no defined doses at the moment, it's usually suggested that small dogs get 500 mg capsules and mediums get medium dogs get 750 and large dogs get 1,000. But before adding any supplements to your dog's diet or health care plan, it is important to speak with your veterinarian to verify safety and confirm dosing instructions. Our show is for informational purposes only. (laughs) Get professional veterinary help immediately. So, Joseph, tell us, what did you learn from pets today? Wow. Those damn little pricker balls. Wait, you had to go back there. You're still like, because this is a childhood trauma for you. I don't like pawpaws. Okay. To this day. You know that. So you learned from pets that, in fact, you are symbiotic in your dislike for pawpaws. Yes. Okay. If you love pets and want to help us continue supporting them. Oh, wait. One thing. Oh, yes. Yes. We got to get that in there. I know. We We have to put it in there. Okay. We just want to say that uh, we're currently seeking sponsors for the show. Um, If you would like to sponsor our show for as little as $25 a week. 
please contact us at info at TPPCTV. Also, where we record our show, the Common Grounds Meeting Hall. Great place, people. Holidays. Come on, come on, come on. And and pass the holidays, too. And for your birthdays, your sweet 16s, yeah. your, your sweet 96s, coming. whatever. <laughs> This uh, hall is available for rent as a performance hall as well. And check out the schedule online. Tell them about the hall. Well, it is a marriage of the Irish meeting halls of Dublin with the New York coffee houses of the 1960s. At night, it's a small 50-seat intimate performance venue with a state-of-the-art sound system for acoustic musicians, poets, comedians, and performers. Expect great music from top-name touring and local talent, along with gourmet coffee and packaged snacks. And during the day, is uh, the meeting hall is available for civic groups. Yes. Yes. So... I apologize. Uh, we were. You said that you dislike Paul Balls. This is what you learn. We said if you want to continue supporting us and the pets, check us out on Facebook, like us, and give them the closing, honey. WKDW 97.5 FM, Northport Real Community Radio. This was Pets Teaches So Much. For Robin and obviously myself, Joe, thanks for spending some time with us and discovering Pets Teaches So Much. Tune in same time next week for month more fun and mayhem. Be kind to your pets, and until next week, woofy woo. woo. Hold that tiger, 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 hold that tiger. Where's that tiger? Where's that tiger? Here's that tiger. Where's that tiger? Here's that tiger. Hold that tiger, hold that tiger, hold that tiger.